This JMR podcast is sponsored by the Journal of Medical Regulation, serving for over a century as the premier publication on physician licensure, discipline, and regulation. To learn more, visit jmronline.org. Welcome to the JMR podcast. I'm David Johnson, your host for today's podcast. We are recording on August 3rd, 2023, and our guest is Dr. Aaron Young, who is known nationally for his in-depth analyses of the demographics and key characteristics of this nation's physician workforce. Aaron is the Vice President of Research and Data Integration for the Federation of State Medical Boards, and he was the lead author of the FSMB's Census of Licensed Physicians in the United States, which appears in the current issue of the Journal of Medical Regulation, JMR. Well, Dr. Young, welcome to the JMR podcast. Thank you for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Aaron, before we get into the detailed findings of this most recent 2022 physician census, could you take our listeners through sort of the origins of the census? How did this come about? Why is it relevant or important? The 2022 census is our seventh census of licensed physicians in the United States. And this process began back in 2010 for us. The goal for us was to provide a reliable set of information about the available physician workforce, including information about the number of licensed physicians, the type of medical degree, the location of their undergraduate medical education, uh, aspects of specialty certification, and their sex and their age. We recognized that when we looked around the landscape that this information was not really readily available and we had a really good source for this information. Uh, and so that was the backdrop for us starting the conversations of how do we set a benchmark for the actively licensed physicians throughout the United States. Well, Aaron, you know, you, you've talked a little then about sort of the origins and the why this uh, FSMB began this process. Could you say a little bit more about how you and your staff go about acquiring this information and data? Because I think as many of our listeners know, FSMB doesn't issue medical licenses. So how do we begin to get this information and data? I think that's a great point, Dave. We The FSMB does not issue medical licenses. So all of this starts with the nation's state medical and osteopathic boards and their generosity of being able to provide this to the FSMB. So really the FSMB census of licensed physician is a fortunate artifact of their willingness to partner with the FSMB and other state medical boards to share data through our physician data center. And this with our physician data center provides a centralized database of license and even sanction information that we can use for things like querying physicians, disciplinary alerts, and in this case, being able to put together a, a comprehensive uh, data set of licensed physicians throughout the United States. Great. Well, then, Aaron, why don't we jump to the most recent census, the 2022 census? There's some very specific findings that you presented in your article. Uh, what are some of the key takeaways as you see it? Yeah, I, I think the first thing that when you think about something like this, you want to know is how many licensed physicians do we have in the country? And right. it's over a million now. 
We've got 1,044,734 as of 2022. And among those physicians, they hold over 1.5 million licenses to practice medicine in the United States. And if we take a look back at our 2010 census, this represents a 20, a workforce that's 23% larger than what it was in 2010. And I'll touch on that in just a you know, little bit when we get into some further discussions, but some unique things that we found out with this last census uh, that we really haven't seen in previous census is that nearly a quarter of the, of the physicians, 24% now, hold more than one license. Uh, in previous years, that's been 23%. So yes, it is only up a, a percentage point, but this is the first time since we've been doing this since 2010 that we've seen an uptick in the physician with holding more than one license within the country. Another thing that I'd like to mention too that, that is an important finding here, we saw that state medical boards issued a record high uh, one of, of 129,000 new licenses in 2022. And this is an increase of 27% from 2020, a dramatic increase and in something we really haven't seen uh, so far since we've been doing this project since 2010. Well, Aaron, if I could jump in right there, that, you know, that's, that, that statistic jumps out to me a little bit immediately. Do, do, you, do you or your staff have any theories or sense for why there may have been this kind of jump in the number of uh, licenses in uh, a, a relatively short period of time this past two years? This has been driven predominantly by the use of telehealth services at levels that are higher than what they were prior to the pandemic. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw a dramatic and steep increase in the use of telehealth services. And even after the pan, after, as the pandemic started to subside, telehealth services, they did come down, but they leveled off at much higher levels. And some researchers have estimated that we're at levels that are 38 times higher than what we were prior to the pandemic. So this is certainly probably the biggest factor for that increase in licenses. But I think the other thing is too, is the increase in portability uh, that it, state medical boards have started to provide throughout the country. And a lot of this has been through the Interstate Medical Licensing Compact. Since its inception, they've already uh, enabled 15,000 physicians to deliver healthcare across state lines, whether it's in person or via telemedicine. Oh, that's interesting, Eric, because as you were answering that question, I, I was wondering about the uh, impact of the uh, Interstate Medical Licensing Compact myself, but it sounds like that certainly is playing a, some factor or some role in this. It definitely is, yeah. Are there other sort of high-level takeaways you wanted to spotlight? Absolutely. If we take a look back at um, the trends, you know, since 2010, we see really what I what we see is four broad trends, and I'll start with these in no particular order of importance. But okay. um, the vast majority, one of them is is the increase in the number of osteopathic physicians throughout the United States. This has grown at a very rapid pace. Um, MD or allopathic doctors do represent the vast majority of licensed physicians in the country at eighty nine percent. The number of licensed DOs or osteopathic physicians has grown at a much faster pace, growing by 89% compared to only 18, an 18% increase for MDs. And I think you can really accredit this to the increase in the number of osteopathic medical schools that have opened up since 2010. 
Right. In 2010, there were 32 schools, and today we've got 40 accredited college of, colleges of osteopathic medicine. And so I think that, that it doesn't seem like that eight schools would be a significant increase, but if you look at it now from 32 to 40, that's a 25% increase in the number of schools in a 12-year span. So that's much higher than what we've seen with the allopathic or MD population. And I think there are even, in addition to the new osteopathic schools, uh, I think some of the schools made a concerted effort to sort of grow their class sizes as well. Absolutely. And, and I think you see that on both the osteopathic and the allopathic side for both MDs and DOs. You know, another trend um, that we've seen is, is interesting. One trend has, has, has stayed relatively stable over the history of the census since 2010, and that's with the IMG community. But I think there's an important aspect within this segment that is worth pointing out for our listeners. The, like I mentioned, the IMG community has been pretty stable. The percentage of licensed physicians that are MDs stands at 23% as, as a whole, and that's remained relatively stable. And the largest number of those graduates come from medical schools that are in India, followed by the Caribbean, Pakistan, the Philippines, and Mexico, as well as a number of other areas throughout the globe. But the area where we've seen the steepest increase is among uh, those that graduated from schools in the Caribbean. And this number has increased by 115% over the past 12 years. Much of this increase is driven by U.S. citizens that are actually attending school in the Caribbean. So for example, in 2010, 48% of Caribbean medical school graduates licensed in the United States were U.S. citizens. This number by 2022 climbed to 67%. Aaron, and this is interesting about the, the, the IMG segment of the U.S. physician workforce because I guess my sense is even though that percentage is staying right at or near about 23% or so, the, the total numbers are still actually moving up for IMG physicians in the U.S., but that's sort of disguised somewhat by the growth in other areas like osteopathic physicians or, you know, the, uh, the percentage. Well, that's probably the best example. That's spot on, Dave, and a, and a really good um, example of, you know, the power of this information. You're able to look within these segments and, and take it as a broader, per, from a broader perspective on the national, uh, you know, on the national stage. So what you have is, is you do have increasing populations among U.S. medical school graduates and international graduates. But the U.S. medical school graduates, it's at a faster pace is what we've seen than, than the number of IMGs entering the country to go to medical, uh, to, to practice in the United States. Well, and Aaron, another group that obviously is an important segment of this uh, physician population are, are women in the licensed workforce. I wonder if you could talk about sort of patterns you've seen there and implications for any changes in those numbers? Sure, that's a great question. The number of licensed female physicians continues to increase. And, and although, uh, you know, males uh, still comprise the majority, in 2022, 37% of the physician workforce were women, compared to only 30% in 2010. We expect this to continue, this trend to continue in uh, the years to come as medical school enrollments are for, for the most part evenly split between men and women these days. 
And I think it's important to, to note that, you know, as the physician population changes on demographics such as this, it's important to keep an eye on practice patterns and expectations for work-life balance. All of those kind of types of characteristics are going to have an important uh, influence on the level of uh, availability and the, uh, the, you know, the workforce uh, availability throughout the country. Well, you know, Aaron, you're mentioning work-life balance leads me to think of something else, which is right now we benefit through a census like this with a lot of helpful information and data. But I suspect as a researcher, there are probably some things missing, uh, some things that we do not know and do not capture at this time in a census that would be helpful. And, you know, I'm thinking specifically of, you know, some of those practice patterns and work-life balance. So could you talk a little bit about what we don't have in the census, perhaps, that we would like to be able to have at some point? Absolutely. You know, I think that as a, as a researcher, um, you always face limitations when you do any type of study, even a sure. census, when you're taking the entire population of licensed physicians in this case, there's always limitations that you have. Um, I think as personally, as a researcher, you always want more demographic data. You want to be able to slice and dice the data and, and analyze some uh, unique trends that, that, that maybe you couldn't. But at the end of the day, I think the, the, the biggest limitation of the data and probably the, the area that, that we could improve the most in is better understanding not just the available workforce, which is what you get with the census of licensed physicians, but are those physicians actively seeing patients or involved in clinical care. Right. I think that's the key to understanding workforce. Physicians, a lot of times throughout the country, wear many hats, do many different things. They work in academic institutions. They work in laboratories and in many other sectors within the, the federal government and state governments. And so they may be doing some clinical practice, but they may not be doing it full time. And I think that this is an area that uh, really could be uh, an area of emphasis for just researchers in general. It may not come through a census, but it could come from other areas of research to where the census could be a backdrop for that and a foundation for that research. Aaron, looking at this most recent census then and reflecting on what you've shared, are there specific areas where you think that medical regulators and, and others should be paying some close attention? You know, Dave, that's a great question. Um, medical regulators have certainly had a lot on their plates in recent years with the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, they're doing you know, their best to help address the opioid pandemic. Um, and of course, just like uh, many other industries in, 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 work for, in workplaces, they're experiencing some labor shortages. So they're trying to do more right. with less as well. Take a look at the census and you start to think about um, all of this information. I, one key area that I think is important to, uh, to, to highlight is, you know, the impact of not only an aging population, but also an aging physician population at the same time. You know, the impact of the baby boomers um, is pronounced. You know, those born between the mid-1940s and 1960s have had a, a profound influence on society as they've aged. And as they do that, there are about 70 million Americans ages 58 to 76 right now today. And as they get older, that's going to put tremendous pressure on the healthcare system. 
So medical regulators really need to look at how do you balance all of these things together? How do you regulate populations and at the same, regulate the physician population, but also protect the public? You've got a dramatic increase in demand for healthcare resources, but you're trying to balance that with patient safety. So you've got all of that happening in the landscape of healthcare changing in general. It's becoming much more of a digital economy, if you will, but healthcare is certainly affected by that. We really don't understand what the impact of things like artificial intelligence are gonna be as we move forward in the future. And at the same time, what's the impact on the physician as an individual? And how do you balance wellness and burnout with providing more care? All of those aspects are gonna be important. And I think that the census of licensed physician maybe doesn't answer all those questions, but provides a good backdrop of information that is helpful for medical regulators and policymakers to use as they address these issues. Oh, well, thank you, Aaron. I, I think that's a great way to finish our conversation today. I, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk about uh, physician census and, and data and numbers. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, Aaron. And for those of you interested in seeing the full text of the FSMB's Census of Licensed Physicians, you can access that at jmronline.org. I hope you'll do so, and I hope you will join us for the next JMR podcast. Have a great day. This JMR podcast is sponsored by the Journal of Medical Regulation, serving for over a century as the premier publication on physician licensure, discipline, and regulation. To learn more, visit jmronline.org.